Um, what were we talking about? Oh, the brewery. Okay, so this is where I came into contact with Andrew. I was in Kelowna this summer, messaged or uh, went to the brewery because I think it's one of the dopest uh, brewery names I've ever heard of. Carl, it's it's called The Office. That's pretty good. Like, how sweet is that? What are you doing this afternoon? I'm yeah, just perfect. at The Office. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're up to. And so I was at The Office uh, Brewery, not The Office Office, in Kelowna, having a couple beers after a round of golf, which did not go as planned, and uh, just posted something to my Instagram and immediately get a response from The Office Brewery because I tagged them in it. And uh, so long story short, we have a bit of a conversation. Apparently it's Andrew's wife. And uh, she says, you should connect with my husband. His name's Andrew. He's one of the owners here. He is a realtor. (laughs) Check. He owns the brewery. Check. And he podcasts. Check. So I was like, basically, we just became best friends over there. Right on, man. Well, thanks for having me on. I will I will say right off the bat that of I, I have a very small share. <laughs> so I, I, I don't own it outright, that's for sure. But I'm very happy to be partnered with it, um, which is dope, and, uh, and brewing the beer. So, yeah. You, you own more of a brewery than I do. You own more of a brewery than Carl <laughs> does. You own more of a brewery than most of us would like to own. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great. It's funny because uh, so I don't I don't know how much you know about me or or our real estate business, but my business partner owns Steel and Oak in New West. Okay, right on. That's sweet. I I love that brand. I I don't I don't know a ton about you guys. Like I yeah. just started following you on so on social media and stuff, and you know, like what I see, you know. <laughs> it's funny. My so Jamie is his name. He. Uh, has a pretty good reputation in BC craft beer because he is the guy that he's not really involved in the brewery. He owns it with a buddy from high school who kind of runs the operation there. Nice. But Jamie is more in real estate than is in beer, but he, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. It's such a complimentary business. Yeah. <laughs> like our clients absolutely love that we give them beer with most transactions and most times we see them. So Jamie owns Steel and Oak. Yeah. Jamie owns Steel and Oak and uh, is a realtor. And I thought it uh, relayed pretty well to you. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more. We've literally never talked no. other than a couple emails back and yeah. forth. But uh, welcome to podcasting. This is what it's all about. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you invited me on. It's, I'm always down to go on shows. I love, I love going on other people's shows. So I haven't done it for a while. So it's fun. What, uh, I want to hear a bit about real estate in Kelowna. What's going on? How long you've been in the game? Yeah. And, uh, just your experience in this industry. So funny when I, when people ask me that, I feel like it's like, my answer is always like disingenuous if I give you the truth, which is like, it doesn't make any sense because I, I've been in it for a hot sec. I've been doing it for a little while, but because I've always been dipping my toes in a million other things, it's always been so piecemeal with me with real estate. So I feel like I'm still almost even new to it in some sense as well. Um, but I've been licensed uh, for about three years yeah. and uh, just kind of working on and off with friends and family and people I meet through pr- random projects. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been challenging, but it's been fun because when you're, doing, when you're not just a realtor or just focusing on that, it can be 
just tough to do anything really like it's all just kind of takes away from everything else you're doing so i, I found it fun to be part-time um but yeah real estate in Kelowna is it's it's interesting you know it's busy just like everywhere else in in bc it seems like and uh challenging i would say sometimes how i how do you do it part-time because <laughs> i sometimes struggle to find the hours in a day to sleep i know um well I'm pretty lucky. I've got some, I got some friends uh, at my brokerage and stuff that we like to kind of like, you know, we pass stuff on and off to each other, which is nice. Uh, so as far as like, you know, we'll just split stuff and, you know, like, and just do it as referral. We'll do lots of referrals, um, get people to do showings for me when I'm brewing, <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've, uh, I've, well, I've, wavered back and forth on whether or not I even want to keep being a realtor sometimes, to be totally honest with you. But no, it's, it's, it's a good thing. I think I've found a good balance recently. Um, but brewing's been really busy. Like getting a business off the ground is a lot and, uh, getting everything filled and getting can stuff in, in line and everything like that. It's been a lot of work. So yeah, it's always been tough doing both for sure. <laughs> it's funny. Cause, uh, I talked to a bunch of my friends and they talked to me about their quote unquote full-time jobs. Mm. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, I work nine to five on Monday to Friday. And I was like, yeah, that's not a full-time job. No. <laughs> it's like, come follow me around for a Seriously. week. You'll see what a full-time job is. Seriously, right? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So it's impressive that you're able to balance multiple industries. And I know the beer industry is kind of weird that like probably working some strange hours in terms of like actually producing the product, but also there's like so much that goes into getting the product out there and beer events, which are epic and very fun in BC. Mm -hmm. But there's like a lot of uh, extracurriculars, let's say. Yeah, I haven't uh, necessarily, I, I mean, I, I haven't done any festivals and things like that yet. Like I can't wait to get back to Festivale, even just down in Penticton. That's been one we've done every year for a long yeah. time, just as a family going to try beers. And uh, now we'll have a chance to actually do it as a brewery, which will be really sweet. But um, yeah, we're just honestly right now, it's just been so busy with dialing in recipes and a lot of trial and error, um, switching, switching to a totally different system with an electric system and um, just a totally different size because I started with, I mean, I'm not formally trained in brewing. And I think that's kind of the funny thing. I, I, I started in wine, um, just cellar handing and like moving hoses around and transferring wines and doing whatever so i was like okay i'm comfortable being around big tanks and stuff sure and then was brewing beer at home made some stuff that was you know we were giving to friends and family and stuff and we were like okay we trust your opinion and we we're like this is actually decent like, okay kept going and and then yeah these guys needed a brewer my dad happened to be uh, already kind of working with um one of the owners uh he's just retired he's a retired principal couldn't sit still so now he's a uh, the general manager of the brewery among other things and uh yeah so him and i him and i do the recipes together and and that's basically all we've been focusing on is just trying to bang out really good stuff so is that where you started in wine yeah like um i went to uh well my wife and i met in university just before university and uh kind of worked random odds and ends there. And we all, we hated everything we did as part-time jobs to like pay our way through. And then we both kind of ended up at the same winery together, actually, in East Kelowna. And uh, we were- Which was? The View Winery, uh, which also does Ward's Cider. Okay. 
So we were crushing apples and making making stuff. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of my introduction to like craft beverage, basically. Carl and I both really, really enjoy wine. Nice. I was up in, usually I like to do one wine trip a year. Last year was Kelowna. So we did East Kelowna, West Kelowna. Did one day in Naramata. Mm. And in Naramata, the wine is next level. So this summer... 100%. My so this summer, the trip was Naramata. So did 25 wineries this Oof. summer. I was there down there for a week. Nice. A lot in Naramata. Then we did one day in Oliver, which was, I think we did four or five in Oliver. Man, the oh. wine is so good. Oh. And I just appreciate BC wine so much more. It was like two trips that I went on. A lot of, usually when I went to the liquor store, it'd be like buy something Italian or like something outside of BC. But now... After these two trips, I probably did 20 wineries in Kelowna, then another 25 in Naramata slash Oliver. And there's some ridiculously good wine in this in this province. Oh man, you did it right. You did a lot. You got it, you got it all in on that trip. And geez Louise, that's awesome. If you're in the wine industry, <laughs> Naramata is by far my favorite. Dude, it's so good. It's like, it's next level. Yeah. It is, for sure. Are you familiar in terms of a lot of the current wineries and have you tried a lot of their stuff and do you have some faves yeah definitely um actually like i literally just got married so every time i say like oh my wife reached out to you it was like pretty much like right after our wedding basically <laughs> yeah. so we actually just did our honeymoon in naramata and and um went to a few places that i hadn't tried before that are like now my faves foxtrot yes uh, vineyards was one that was awesome for me that's the number um, one yeah pinot noir that i had oh yeah Absolutely. Same. Hands down. Loved it. We bought a bunch of those to put away for a bit. Um, They had a great Chardonnay as well. Uh, You know, I I love Hillside is another great one. They got a great bistro. Loved it there. And a real up and comer on the bench there, which is which I we love is uh, Westbert Winery. It's brand new. It's this just lovely South African family who has bought this totally rundown. It was totally a rundown place that was just dead. And they revitalized it, and they're only in their second or third year now, but they're going to make some nice stuff. So I'm excited to see what they do. I went to that one as well. I think it was the son that was there at the time, and like he did the tastings. He was behind the counter. He was running the whole show. And it is yeah, for some reason just I just like love total the ex- family. <laughs> totally, I just love the experience of going to a winery. I kind of summarize it as it's very romantic. You get to hear the story of the family and especially the little ones, right? You get to hear their story of the family. Mm-hmm. They came over from some other country. This is like their passion to make the best wine in BC, whatever, whatever. And they're talking about the grapes and the soil and you're just like fall in love with it. And at the end of the day, you take home a case totally. of wine and everyone wins. It's a beautiful experience. It's <laughs> my favorite pastime, really. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from drinking beer and, you know, whatever, researching podcasts, I guess, and other stuff. The wine goes pairs with all of it, though, really, right? So it's like, whatever, sure. Brew beer during the day, drink wine when you come home. It's great. 100%. Do you guys have any wineries that you want to visit or areas that you still want to go? Yeah, like, there's there's uh, honestly so much. Every time we drive through Oliver and Soyuz, like, there's ones I feel like I'm like, oh, that's a sign I never saw before. Um, mm-hmm. Rust is a place. Rust Wines, uh, I think, is right in Oliver. Is uh, one that I've I've purchased their wines in store, but I've never been to the winery itself, and they make great stuff. And then the District Village in Oliver is this new thing that's pretty cool. Uh, we I went down there recently, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, we have a really uh, good friend of ours who's a winemaker, and he's doing uh, the wines for uh, Upper Case, 
and so they've got um, they've got a little uh, spot there at uh, the district, and he's doing really great stuff too. So there's like you can't go wrong. Like don't just I don't know. You stay away from the big the big huge over the top like commercial stuff, and you're good. Gotcha, <laughs> Carl. Have you heard of this district thing? I have not. No. Okay, so it's literally. Have you heard of it, Denny? Yeah, I stopped there. Oh, dude, yeah. Great. They just had recently opened, I think, just this summer, maybe. And so I was there end of August. I think so. I stopped on the way back. So in Oliver, we went to uh, Intersection, French Door, Second Chapter, and Phantom Creek. Phantom Creek is an interesting one that I want to ask your perspective on because it is outside of the norm of what I usually like because it is like a ridiculous amount of money invested, like mind-blowing amount of money invested. But their wine Mm -hmm. is really good. I don't know. Have you had many? I I actually have. That's. I was just going to say, I actually haven't been there. I haven't tried Phantom Creek. The ones you named before, their intersection I quite like and second chapter is great. Another one that's kind of a it's definitely not aesthetically similar to phantom creek but as far as like really premium stuff uh checkmate which is down there um as well is really really nice um but yeah phantom creek i've seen this massive villain's lair from the highway driving through there and uh yeah it looks it looks really cool so i I definitely i gotta check it out next time i'm down there it's a mix of cool slash intimidating slash classy slash like this is how I always dress. I wear t-shirts and hoodies and t and hats. So I walk in there with my hat mm-hmm. and I feel like as I walk in the door, the guy's gonna ask me to take my hat off. Like it's one of those places. But it wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> their wine was their wine was yeah. really surprisingly good. I thought it was gonna be like uh like a quail's gate or like something like that, where you walk in and everyone's the people serving you are wearing like fancy clothes and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt cause it's 37 degrees in Kelowna, <laughs> but their right. wine is like <laughs> decent, but I like the stories of other small wineries better. Anyway, Fandom Creek was mm-hmm. really interesting because we got a server that I thought was actually really good. He knew a lot about the guy that started it. He knew a lot about the winemaking process and like sharing all the stories with us. Apparently, they poached some guy from Napa Valley. I can only imagine how much money that guy makes per year making this wine. But he told me they have, I think he said 200 acres. Yeah, they planted a lot. They, they bought a lot and planted a lot, and they got, a, they got a lot of skin in the game, for sure. And then I asked him if he... Oh, no. I asked at Foxtrot, I think, which was the next day, I, it was like an older guy who seemed like he had been in the wine game for a long time. And I was asking him, well, what is like an acre of vineyard land worth right now in this region? And he said it's roughly a million dollars an acre. Yeah, and I, I'd say that's even maybe a little on the low side. Is it? D- depending on what you're looking at. Like, just because certain varietals are just becoming more and more sought after. So it's like depending on what's there. Other, other stuff just gets ripped right out and it's literally just for the, purely for the, spe- the, the spot. And then you're like, oh, these were already there for 15 years, but like, oh, nobody wants Sauvignon Blanc anymore or whatever. Yeah. So they yanked it out to, pr- to plant Chardonnay or whatever. Yeah. So. so then you look at yeah. Phantom Creek and that they purchased 200 acres of land at a million dollars an acre, let's say. So they spent $200 million on land. <laughs> then they built this ridiculous facility. <laughs> and... 
as the realtor, I'm so excited to see this construction, right? And I'm walking through and I'm thinking, holy fuck, they spent a lot of money on this thing, right? And then the guy is telling me that he's like, you haven't even seen a third of the property because downstairs in the cellar is where they make the wine and where they store the wine, whatever, whatever, whatever. And we keep going on this conversation. And so in my head, as he's talking, I'm just like putting dollar signs together and I'm trying to figure out exactly how much money this, I can't remember his name, Mr... Mr. Liu or something like that, uh, like an investor from China right. who has a really big passion for wine, apparently, who started this whole thing. I'm trying to figure out how much money this guy put into this project. And I'm thinking it's probably in the yeah. 300 to 350 range, which is That's unbelievable. That's a reasonable yeah. guess. When yeah. you look at like the small wineries, <laughs> have you ever been to Scorched Earth? Uh, no, no, I haven't actually. I, I know of them. I've never been there. Okay. So uh, full other end of the spectrum, Carl. Yeah. This is like a family who was working like corporate jobs, who hated their life, who went into wine because passion project and they get to live in a really cool part of BC overlooking the um, okay lake. And now they're making wine for a living and they're friggin' awesome. So I visited them this summer. They make some really good Pinot Noirs. They had a great Merlot as well. They, I think, have seven acres and they're literally the opposite on the spectrum. They put like 2,500 cases together a year. Whereas Phantom Creek is, I asked the guy, I was like, how much wine do you produce here? He said, well, last year we did about 10,000 cases, but we want to get to about 40,000 this year. And I said, it sounds like you're still losing a lot of money. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. The, he's like, the goal is to be very big. Yeah. Hmm. But it's funny to, in the same weekend, to talk to people and like the couple who runs Scorched Earth who makes 2,500 cases of wine a year and it's just like their life versus this multi, multi, multi-billionaire guy who just put a ridiculous amount of money into land and bringing in recruiting one of the best winemakers in the world probably this guy from napa valley i can only imagine like what is his salary a year five seven million dollars a year i don't know i honestly wouldn't even know where to guess like I, I I, for, for someone who can just offer whatever like i mean a typical winemaker salary would definitely be like closer to like just barely touching six figures yeah like for most winemakers Anyway, it was pretty cool to see the drastic variance in this wine game. Like either you have a shit ton of money oh, yeah. and you can just demand exactly what you want or you're going off of like skill and what the soil is going to give you. <laughs> I like that one better personally. I know. It's fun. That's just that's just my vibe. Remember at the beginning of this I was actually just, I, I was sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Come on. Oh, okay. I was sorry. I was just going to say, like, I was literally just on Vancouver Island right before uh, we were doing this, like just got back the other day and uh, went to a tea farm and it's like the first tea farm on the West coast. And they're like, finally at the point where they're like harvesting and making their own tea. And it was like, you know, it's just right there in like Duncan, BC. And uh, that was just the coolest thing ever. So it was like so tiny. It's like right outside Duncan, like right near in like the Cowichan Valley. It's called West Home Tea 
company. And it was like, I was just like, oh, this is so cute. I love it. And they just had their little tea bushes, cutting their little leaves. I'm like, damn, that's, that's dope. I can, <laughs> I can get down with that. West home. Okay. The reason I'm asking is because my girlfriend's from, her family's from Duncan. West oh, right home on. Tea so is my company. wife's. And my sister lives in Duncan as well. Oh, man. West yeah, if they haven't been there, I highly recommend it. It's great. I bought a tea book called The Philosophy of Tea and got some matcha. Or matcha. I said that with the most Canadian accent in the history of time. Interesting. Okay, so it... It's funny because... So yeah. I have two nieces that live over there. My sister lives over there with her husband and two two girls. And nice. It's beautiful. <laughs> whenever you talk to them, they always like be like, it's just off Herd Road, Denny. You should know where that is. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Madison. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. And <laughs> apparently this tea company, Carl, is just off Herd Road. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Isn't everything off Herd Road? <laughs> yeah, there's like three roads I read. The, the yeah. whole island is connected by Herd Road. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's so funny. <laughs> How old is your wife? Yeah. That was, uh, she's 29. Did she, she grew up in Duncan? Did she go to California? No, no, no. Uh, but her family is out. <clears throat> her family is out there. No, she's actually was born and raised here. Oh, okay. um, but her aunt and uncle are out there, her mom, her mom and stuff. So yeah. Small world. It's funny because I started dating this girl yeah, two years ago. And uh, Jamie, so my business partner's best friend, grew up in Duncan. And apparently my girlfriend's family and Jamie's best friend went to the same high school. <laughs> so, so funny when that happens, eh? I know. And Super my sister, weird. my sister lives like three minute drive away from where my girlfriend's family lives. Is it just serendipity or is it something <laughs> greater, Denny? Who's to say? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I want to talk more beer. So you start with sure. wine. Yes. Working at a winery. Then, yep. Then you're just like, this is not for me. Oh, man. The trajectory has been pretty crazy. So, yeah. Well, no, not really. Like, I was at that winery, then went to another winery, bounced around a few different ones. Uh, I actually had my real estate license while I was at that winery. I just wasn't even using it. Just parked it for a little while. No, so I was like, eh, I didn't, feel, didn't really feel like doing it anymore for that year. Uh, so I, yeah, we, we were doing different stuff. And then that's actually when we started our podcast as well. So I was like pretty much just like dedicated to just doing the, the show and just making a paycheck in the craft beverage industry, however that was, if it was cider or wine or whatever at the time. And because I was kind of just done with like the nightlife thing. Like that's what I love about brewing. It's like I get up, I go, I can like, I do my recipe formulation. I can plan it all out. I can brew exactly how I want to brew it and finish my day when I want to finish it. And then I'm not really there super late. <laughs> and I used to work bars and liquor stores and all that stuff in university to like pay through university. I no, no, I no longer can I even stay like competent past like 10 o'clock at night. Like I, I'm not a reliable witness past 10 PM for anything or at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I dig that. Turning 30, maybe out of that, that really hit that home, probably. 
It's funny. I grew up, so my dad ran liquor stores and, and bar restaurants in Greater Vancouver. Oh, yeah. And so my like first few jobs were dishwashing in one of the bars, then bartending one of the bars, then managing one of the bars. So it's funny, man. It's such a crazy... You know it all too well. Man, that industry, I credit it a lot for how much I grew up from the ages of like 19 to 25 working in that industry and just how much you learn about people and humans, which translates yeah. so well into the real estate game, fortunately for me. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you definitely, you definitely, uh, <laughs> especially depending on where you work too. Like I, I was at a few dive bars and like liquor stores like attached to those dive bar type places, right? And they'd be like, you'd be bartending the one night and it'd be like, you know, kind of a rough crowd. And then you'd, I'd open the liquor store the next morning and I'd be like people, the same guys that were kind of like difficult to deal with the night before are like waiting there for 9 a.m. to open that liquor store. It's like, ah, oh, buddy. All right. <laughs> so instead of serving this liquor to them, you now prefer to create the liquor for them. That's right. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> Directly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely way more fun making it than just drinking it. And it's so funny. Like people would always say like, oh, you must drink like a ton of beer. You have, must have like such an endless supply of beer. And it's like, I feel like I drink less beer probably. Like, cause I'm just like around it so often. I'm like, pour me a glass of red wine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or don't drink anything. <laughs> it's funny how you yeah. go through like waves like that. It happens all the time for me where... I really like beer and I appreciate beer so much. And I am one of the biggest fans of how big this BC craft beer scene has got. And there are some mm. phenomenal people and some phenomenal breweries in greater Vancouver, especially I haven't explored much in the Okanagan and I'm interested in exploring more. There we was should one do it together. Carl, we're going on a road trip. Are you ready Always for this? Down. Always down. <laughs> yes, I am. Me and Andrew, we're exploring interior craft beer. That's what we're doing. Sounds good. Beautiful. <laughs> but I, it, so I love, I like, I love Kelowna. It's four hours away from Vancouver. It's a really cool spot in the summer. Usually I'm there once or twice a year. This summer I was there three times, which is even better. They have great golf courses too. But it seems like they every do. summer I'm there, there's two or three more breweries that have opened. <laughs> Which is us. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I'm pr I can't remember if it was last year, if you had signage up, but I remember driving by and you weren't open yet, but I think you had the sign up. I was like, man, the office yeah, brewery, so. that sounds fucking sweet. Yeah. It's funny. Everyone always asks us if it's like a feat, like inspired or themed off of like the show obviously because that's everyone's first inclination which is obviously not the what it is at all even though i'm sure we'll probably pepper a few memes in on the socials eventually i did we just didn't want to do that right away that's for sure you know what i mean but um no it, originally that space where we actually have the brewery and the bruce the brewery in the back and the restaurant in the front and everything um was supposed to be an office building and uh our main owner who owns the space I had it all planned out and it was all sketched out and everything. Actually, I actually think we'll probably frame and put that up somewhere too, like the original, what it was supposed to be, plans or whatever. Um, but anyway, it all shifted around. It ended up being put like 
next door, basically. So it's like five doors down from us where there's our office office headquarters. And then the office became a brewery. Uh, so that's sort of like the reason for the name. It's just a little tongue in cheek thing, like for our little family with our group of companies and stuff. And, uh, and then also just because of the culture of working in an office. So everyone who's partnered in it has lived that life. My dad was a high school principal for years, just dealing with that type of like pencil pushing and, and people management and stuff. And then our other partners, kind of same thing, like classic office type jobs and culture. And so it just kind of made sense as a theme for us to like stylize it off of that and then have our beers, you know, themed, <clears throat> you know, off of that. So like super tongue in cheek names. Like I just did, we just did our first house logger and it's called the lumbar support logger. <laughs> sort of just like, you know, thinking about the episode or whatever, people bitching about their chairs, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. So you are the paper jam eight and a half by 11. I do personally, most <laughs> of the people actually involved in us have never even seen it. Believe it yeah. or not. But it's actually not that surprising because it's like my dad's like 64. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say second greatest sitcom of all time. Yeah. First being what? Seinfeld? 100%. <laughs> Always Seinfeld. Yeah. Cool. Friends is up there, but to me, Seinfeld's better. Friends is there. It's in the ballpark for sure. But Office is when, so Once Office... people start talking about everybody loves Rabe and it's dubious. Mm-mm. It's not even close. It's not even <laughs> the same competition. Dubious individuals, you know what I mean? Yeah. So is this a family thing then, The Office? Uh, no, actually. So it's, it's, but it is a funny story. So um, the guy who, the, our main boss, like my boss, who's the main owner, my dad taught him in high school math uh, when he had his first teaching job at Okanagan Mission Secondary School here in Kelowna. <laughs> And, um, and then later on, this guy, or my boss, Dan Allen, who's an awesome guy, he goes on to do a bunch of business and stuff, but he's also a college professor, and he ends up teaching my sister in business math. Uh, so my sister is in, in business school and stuff and ends up doing that, and then my dad's like, oh, I know this guy. So they got connected, and then um, after he retired, he was, wanted to keep doing stuff, so he linked up with, um, with Dan and kept working. And then uh, because we love beer, it was just kind of like perfect timing. It was like, we're doing a brewery. So we ended up able to partner on it and they needed someone to make the beer. So that's where I came in. <laughs> With zero training, where do you go to learn about making beer? Uh, I have a stack of books like, you know, YouTube? about yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of YouTube. I'm lucky, like, honestly, like we just had a, so much trial and error making batches at home. Probably did. I honestly don't even know how many, close to a hundred probably. Um, just messing around with stuff. We even did a couple of gluten-free batches my, with Amber and they turned out okay. We made a gluten-free stout, but yeah, honestly just like made so many mistakes doing all grain. And when I say home brewing, like everyone always thinks it's like brewing a bag or whatever, but like we started with all grain. So it's basically just like totally like mini scale of actual brewing with the hand mill and getting our exact temperatures right and everything. And, um, yeah, putting it through a heat exchanger before we had it in our fermenter and everything like that. Bought a little mini heat exchanger that I was like pumping it through. So it's kind of just like exact mini replica of like what I'm doing right now, which is nice. I, I wouldn't want to do anything bigger than what I'm doing right now. It's like perfect size. So what came first, you doing homebrew or you volunteering to brew a brewery at a brewery that was going to open in the next year? 
Oh yeah, the home home brewing for sure. Okay, yeah, that's okay. been going on for like five, five, six, seven years. Okay. Yeah. Lots of beer. Lots of beer. So and just seeing other stuff ferment, I guess, totally. like you know, dealing with cider and stuff like that. So how'd you get connected with the office then? Um, well, yeah, I mean, honestly, like it was pretty much just through my dad for one. And then also I had known, uh, our, my boss, Dan, uh, from a few years ago, I actually did keg sales and keg deliveries for him, uh, when I was still in university or just finished university. Uh, so I kind of knew him from that, but this was before he was into, uh, local breweries. He's got a few, uh, other ones that he owns as well, uh, or is partnered in anyway. Um, actually I don't even know the name of the one. It's uh, out in Nova Scotia. I've never been to the East coast. Uh, I need to, that's on the list. Um, but yeah, no, just honestly, man, Cologne is a small place. So like when you like something and you do something, you're into it, you know, like, you know, you said you're, you're, you're a golfer, you play golf out here. Like I'm a member at Cologne Golf and Country Club. So we're always bringing our, we were always like bringing our homebrew out on the course, like giving it to people, giving it to our friends you're playing with and stuff. So, you know, it, we're just gets around, you know what I mean? And it's not, so when you have someone that wants to do it, it's just like, sweet, I'll do it. Cologne is fun for us because the, the style of golf is so different than we get in Vancouver. Like it's it's more similar yeah. to Palm Springs, like more deserty style courses that you get in the Okanagan, and we don't have anything like that in Vancouver. I've never played Kelowna Golf and Country Club though, so next time I'm there, I'm definitely gonna meet you and we're gonna play around. But hundred percent, that sounds great. This year, when I was there, I went on two golf trips, and then I went on one trip with my girlfriend to do some wineries and. Then we were at uh, Sparkling Hill for a couple nights, but so we did like nice. the res- let's say like the popular resorty style courses. So we did Gallagher's, Black Mountain, Tower Ranch, the Harvest. On the way up, we stopped at Tobiano, which is very very cool. Have you played that one? Nice. I've never. I hear great things though. Have you played Tower Ranch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while. It's Apparently it's the same same architect that did both of them. So they're like oh, similar okay. looking courses. But they're very cool. I know Carl, yeah, you Tower Ranch no is a nice looking clue. course. <laughs> no clue at all. Yeah. <laughs> not a golfer, Carl. Unfortunately not, no. But everyone well, around me golfs, so you don't but that's just it. I think like golf is like like I am not good at golf. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I don't even know why I do it. That's how I feel eighty five percent of the time. It's 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 the it's the camaraderie that makes it fun. Mm. I got to get a couple pops in me. <laughs> yeah, otherwise Golf. I get pissed. Golf yeah. is so <laughs> strange that it's just it's a complete mental battle with yourself, Carl. It's oh, unlike man. anything else. So me and Carl know each other. We went to high school together. We played basketball together through high school and on provincial teams. Basketball is very different than golf. Basketball players, boys, I'm a big basketball guy. I'm with oh you on that God. too. I played nice. basketball all through high school, thought I was going to be in the NBA till probably grade 10. Sweet. <laughs> Me and Carl thought we were being in the NBA till about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, you could still make a you could still make a Euro League roster. You think next so? year, next year. Chi- yeah. A Chinese team, you could do it. Oh, sure. Come. I don't know about that. You know why, Carl? Get on the you can't now. do it anymore. Yeah. Why is that? 
because of this right here. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, that's very true. Sure. One hundred. <laughs> Have you guys been? Do you guys do you like follow the NBA? You keep up with the NBA? So this yeah, is my story, and I'll let Carl Carl tell you his. I played in the states for a year after after high school. Then I went to UBC for a year, and then I completely hated basketball because I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere with it. And I started working and I started making money. And I was like, holy shit, money is so much better than playing basketball for oh, free money. and working my ass off and getting yelled at. So I'm going to make money now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine's story is kind of similar, I guess. Just I uh, played three, three years college after high school. And then just, I don't know, just fell out of love with it. And then moved on to the other things. Fair enough. Well, you boys went further than me. I mean, like I, I played AAA at KSS, and then I just said I didn't even, I didn't even, yeah, no, no attempt at trying to do anything. I probably could have played at like UBCO or something, or like the college. Now there's a college team here, which they never had, is the Coyotes. But um, no, man, I'm, I I miss basketball though. I'm like, ah, oh, that was fun. Damn. Carl, I miss I roasting I... dudes, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Carl, I don't know if I told you this. I went um, on one of these golf trips. We stopped at Tobiano, which is like outside of Kamloops. And on the range before the round, Kelly Olinick pulls up. <laughs> oh, you told me. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you? Okay. Do you know who Kelly Olinick is, yeah. Andrew? Yeah, yeah. I used to play against him all the time, and we were at the reg- uh, RTC Regional Trading Center here in Kelowna together for for years. There you go. So do you yeah. know Del? Del yeah, we know each other. I haven't talked to him for a long time, but no. Uh, no. Carl, where did he coach? I thought it was Cam High. Oh my God, where did he coach? I thought so too. In Kamloops somewhere. I th- I think he is a Kamloops. Anyway, uh, Dell coached us on provincial team U fifteen and seventeen, and I thought he was a Kamloops guy. Anyway. Um, he was Kelly, a Kamloops guy. Yeah, he, I. Kelly was for sure. Kelly, like Kelly, um, was, Kelly was. Yeah, Kelly was one or two years younger than me and Carl. So he was, he would come down to uh, what we what we had was called Center for Performance. That's what they called it in like Greater Vancouver. So it was like I don't yeah. know eight or ten kids from grade nine, ten, eleven, twelve that did this like training center, and it was probably the same as your RTC thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Kelly was always like the young kid who wasn't very good because he was like too big for his his body was too big for him kind of thing. He just grew too fast right. too quickly and he's very uncoordinated. And everyone's like, "Ah, oh, this kid's not gonna yeah. be that good." But then from grade like ten to eleven, he grew like six more inches. And then we're like, "Holy fuck, this kid's six <laughs> eleven. Yeah, huge. And then he got really good at basketball. Yeah. But when yeah, he was he's like, like a legit five, contributor, man. I know. He's had a really good NBA career. I think he... Yeah. So in Kamloops, like, I know him just because <clears> we <throat> had these training centers together. So when he showed up on the range, I just walked over and said, hi, you know, congrats on doing so well. I haven't talked to him in 10 years, whatever. But just said hi quickly. And then walked back over and my mm-hmm. buddies were hitting balls and they're like, who's that? It's like, oh, he plays in the NBA. Like what? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, he's had a it's pretty weird, good NBA right? career. Actually, he's been in the league for like eight years. 
And then they're like, well, how much money does he make here? I was like, I fuck, I have no clue. So I looked up his salary and I think he had, he was halfway through like a four year, $50 million salary. <laughs> that was the Miami salary. Yeah. The Miami contract. Yeah, that's right. That was yeah. the year that everybody got those big boy, those big boy contracts that, that was probably way more money than they would ever get. Yeah. That was the right time to be around. That was when they like, you know, Evan Fournier signs like a freaking three-year, $96 million deal or some, something ridiculous like that. It's like dudes that were just like, why? And then, Dude, the NBA was just giving money. Oh, out they were just throwing it out. Andrew Wiggins, worst contract in the history of time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jiminy Christmas. Carl, we quit too early, buddy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, did, did you guys ever know a guy named Dean Kamita? He sounds familiar. Yeah, he was an Okanagan Okanagan guy. He was a couple years older than me. He was he was always down at those training centers as well. But yeah, that was so much fun, man. Like I did provincial team stuff a few years. Like, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Just like way too short, way too, way too white, way too short, way too slow. <laughs> at my peak, I think I could dunk a golf ball. Nice. That a boy. That's not getting you anywhere. It's pretty eye-opening when you go down to the States for tournaments with your provincial team. So this is the best 10 kids in the province. And you're playing against like city <laughs> AAU teams and you're getting beat by 40. Yeah. yeah, just getting slaughtered. You're like, man, I felt like the man in Vancouver. What happened? <laughs> yeah. But then you would go back and you would play teams from wherever and you would just be that much. Like it, would, you'd, it was noticeably different. Oh, yeah. Like, it's good, really good learning experiences for sure, but it's also very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And the, just the fact that even, so I went to a D2 school and I w- go from being like one of the taller kids on my high school team. So I'm like six, I'm almost six three. On the, in the program, I said six three. <laughs> <laughs> but then I go to, I went to the University of North Dakota, which is a big hockey school, but a D2 basketball school. Mm-hmm. And I am the second shortest guy on our basketball team in a mediocre D2 school. And mm. I'm playing against, in practice, I'm playing against a guy that is both the same height as me, but about 100,000 times more athletic than me. <laughs> <laughs> so like every day is yeah. just an absolute grind because I can't keep this guy in front of me. He is like the fastest human I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's playing at a shitty D2 school. <laughs> the, and then the, just the, the pool of athletes is insane. And then I decided I was going to make money instead of play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's, it's noble you went as far as you did, the two of you gentlemen, uh, to the sport of basketball in Canada. You know, there you go. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted for sure. Yeah. But I'm sure you, you learned so many things too, right? Playing at that level and just for the rest of your life, you just lessons that you don't forget. Totally. You learn shit that I don't think a lot of kids have the opportunity to see, which is really cool. Like at that high of level, even looking back, you look at like your coaches and just the crazy like gun that they're under. Remember my coach in North Dakota? Oh, yeah. He was early in his career. I think he was like, this was his first big job as like a D2 head basketball coach. 
And you could see the stress on his face every single day in practice. Like he probably just signed a contract that's going to change his family's life, but he has to perform. Otherwise he's going back to high school, you know? (laughs) That's so scary. And these contracts are so short too. Yeah. Totally. And they can end like that. Like you have a shit, one shitty season. Like, uh, Look at Urban Meyer this year in uh, Jacksonville, right? Like, I don't know why he left college. That guy was an absolute legend. And now he goes to the worst NFL franchise in history, let's say. And he's just like, there's no upside potential. What's the upside potential? You win one game, two games, and then what? You get fired and you go back to college. How much more is he making in the NFL? barely not much man those top ncaa coaches make like eight ten million dollars a year man they do make a lot of money the pre the primo guys i don't really follow football so much but i mean it seems to me that like that seems to be a thing in across sport where there's there's not a lot of translations going from college to pros like in the nba that rarely works Mm -hmm. it's almost never worked um, I'm trying to think of, there was like, there's, I can't remember, there's there a Chicago coach a couple years ago. He was awful. Uh, Jim Boylan that came in to coach the Cavs a couple years ago was just, he was out like two weeks in. It was just like, oh, wait, can't do this. Like, tries to go, I don't know what it is. It's just like they, they go from yelling at college guys to all of a sudden dealing with millionaires. And then it's like, no one likes them or listens to them, I think is probably what happens most of the time. So Carl and I have a Seahawks podcast because we're, well, let's say I'm a really big Seahawks pop, uh, fan and I try, I'm, I'm trying to get Carl into being a Seahawks fan. But one of the things... <laughs> a big NFL guy. You are, yeah. You're just like a fantasy guru. Yeah. Although you fucked up in your first pick this year. I know. Who knows though? 100% injury rate, dude. It's always a surprise. <laughs> get off the NFL because Andrew's not an NFL guy. It's disappointing that you're not an NFL guy, Andrew, because I feel like we have so much in common. We like beer. You make the beer. Yeah. I don't we dislike like- it. I just don't watch it. It's fair. <laughs> if you listen to our Seahawks yeah. podcast, you'll probably become a Seahawks fan. I'll switch it around. I love Seattle, so I'm waiting for the Sonics to come back. So yeah, I can get down with Seahawks. Carl, are the Sonics, the Sonics ever coming back? Yeah. I hope so. I think so. I think one day Seattle's too big of a city to not have a team. Vancouver before Seattle would be just fine, but oh yeah, no complaints here. You know, I, the the money's definitely there. I it kind of blows my mind. It's just an instant like multi billion dollar a year revenue generator. Like the the season tickets would be sold out in like forty seconds. Oh yeah, there's so many basketball fans like, in Vancouver, dude. There'd be no issue oh, selling out. No. Do an expansion Andrew. team, be terrible. That's the thing about now. It's like you can be terrible. It doesn't matter, like the 90s. Terrible teams, yeah. or people love terrible teams too. Andrew, I've been on the uh, Seahawks season ticket waiting list for three years. Take take one <laughs> guess what number I am on the, on the waiting list. <sighs> okay. I'm going to guess your number... 306. I think I'm number 306. He wishes. I'm number 72,000. <laughs> On the waiting list. 
Every year it goes down by like 150. <laughs> is there like, how many people can you fit in that stadium? Like 14? No, it's like, like 75,000. That's crazy. 000. Man. Nobody gives they need up a bigger tickets, stadium. Though. Oh, no, yeah. Why would you? Especially because they've been pretty too. good yeah. for the last like 12 to 15 years. Yeah. They have been. It's crazy. I, like I don't watch football, but I know the Bills are good this year, they and sure that's are. weird to me because I've always in my brain said the Bills are not good. I don't get it, but that's okay. Jack Armstrong's a Bills fan, so that's all I. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> Carl's a Bills fan. Carl loves what's that guy's name? Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. He's the QB, right? Yeah. He's got a. Uh, yeah, I, w- there was a ga- game on the other day where he had just like was throwing some lasers, man. I'm just like, I don't know. I could get into football, I guess. I'll come Carl on Seahawks thing. podcast. Let me watch a couple Carl. games, and then uh, and then <laughs> you, you can go. grill. You can quiz a guy who knows nothing. The only requirement is you have to have a couple beers while you talk about the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy deal. That's an okay. easy deal. <laughs> We've actually been. We're getting a little classy with the Seahawks podcast this year, Carl. Most of the times we just open a bottle of wine. Yep. Look at you guys go. NFL and wine. Always used to be beers and now you're not just tailgating with Pabst, eh? Yeah. Classy. Keep it classy. Keep it classy. There's this is one of the things I firmly believe in my life is life is too short. Don't drink shitty liquor. <laughs> wise words drink some good wine honestly get some great craft beer there's you're yep. just surrounded by it in vancouver yep and i'm now, actually drinking that uh, for the first time ever have you get have you guys ever been to andina 100 percent, man i'm a big andina fan of brewery? andina yep they have a really My good buddy's the brewer there and i i think that's what i'm drinking or no wait no sorry i'm drinking the grapefruit juniper pale ale I think I got a guava in the fridge, though. Yep, I've had that. Uh, I'm liking it. Juniper Pelo. Your buddy's yeah, a brewer. Yeah, shout out to Alan. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just like I'm gonna butcher his last name. He's got a Japanese last name. It's really hard to pronounce. Anyway, Alan. <laughs> yeah, he's making Literally good beer over the there. The whitest first name of all time, <laughs> <laughs> with an unpronounceable butchered. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny dude like i i just like we met like right at the end of university didn't yeah. really know each other very well but like bonded over beer and then he saw that i was doing the brewing uh when i did like a i think it was like a castanet video or something or whatever when we first opened and uh and then he popped in it was like i'm brewing for adina brewing and i was like crazy man it's dope small world with the breweries Dude, they're really good. I'm a big fan of Andina. I uh, anytime I'm a Nice fan, I try to stop by. He's done a few. If it's him that's brewing the beer, he's done a few really, really good ones. Yeah, yeah. They do a couple of really there, good sours too. Or something? Mm-hmm. I'm soured out right now because uh, what happens, boys, is when you clean your own beer lines, you don't really want to waste anything. You know what I'm saying? You can- you can't. So I end up with... Oh, that's funny. You end up with a lot of things, and some of it you don't really want to drink, but it's there, and you're like, ah. So I've had a lot of dry hop sour recently. 
trying to get through it, you know? It's sacrilegious, really. I feel like my mom, it's just like, she's like, oh, like the milk's almost bad. You have to drink it. It's like me with the beer. It's like, oh, the growler's almost not going to be carved anymore. I got to chug the rest of it just to, just to drink it, you know? Isn't beer like 97% water? <laughs> um, I feel like by the time you're done with it, especially with my beers, it's like 97% galaxy hops. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, no, it's, just, it's uh, yeah, it, water is definitely the most important ingredient. That's for sure. You got. I do a lot yourself. of water doctoring. You do. Beer's good for that. That's why they used to give dudes working on, you know, like the Empire State Building, like two percent beers, so they wouldn't get too wasted, but they were happy, and they would stay hydrated. Carl, do you incorporate that into your business plan? Oh God, I wish. <laughs> Where do I find a good 2% beer? <laughs> it's called Coors Light. I'll have to make it for you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Carl does, uh, Carl's a contractor. He does home renos. Oh, so nice. We have a lot in common. Awesome. We get to talk about real estate basically anytime we hang out. Yeah, no doubt. Probably a lot of crossover with some clientele, I would imagine. Oh yeah, Denny's hooked me up a lot. Sweet. I, like I wish I had someone to partner with like that out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, want I will. I will say, boys. Li- um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. I just before you before you ask me more questions, I will say that I I I hate to do this, but I do have to go at some point relatively soon because I do have other recording engagements this evening. Nice. What do you got going on? Uh, I'm actually doing uh, the intro episode of a NBA podcast with a friend of mine. Uh, and today's the opening day of the NBA season. So, What's the name of that podcast? Uh, it's called the Possession Arrow Podcast. Like it. Nice. Thanks, Sweet. Man. So you're big. You also NBA mentioned guy. that you had another podcast. Yeah, I am. Actually, I literally got a. Uh, I, I didn't even know if I should say this on a podcast, but it's actually hilarious. I'm, I'm actually sitting here in my underwear right now because I got a Raptors tattoo on my leg today. <laughs> Ooh, unreal! What is it exactly? It's it's the uh, it's the just just the OG Raptor. Nice with the ball. Nice, just a small guy. I said I was going to do it in 2019. I never got around to it, so I did it now. That was a big deal for me. That was a big deal. <laughs> everyone else, everyone else, pieced that scene and jumped on other bandwagons. Warriors bandwagon. Not me. Love it. Tell us uh, quickly about your other podcast, and then we'll get out of here. Oh yeah, no. Well, I don't have to. We don't have to rush too too much. <laughs> but uh yeah no man my the other show is uh it's called into the portal and my wife and i started it while we were working in the wine industry she was just like listening to a bunch of weird shows like paranormal shows true crime stuff and we were just kind of digging it and she was she would always be telling me about it after like i wasn't listening i was like ah oh, like what's this and then i would listen and be like we could do better we could do this better <laughs> um so yeah we ended up starting a show yeah it's called into the portal it's myths legends history cryptozoology we've been doing it for a little over 3 years and it's been super fun. We've it's been really successful. 
um, become a little bit of a kind of side job for us. And we've met some really amazing people from all over the world. It's been really cool. Um, we're actually kind of working on uh, a partnership uh, with a um, an archaeologist who's in Jordan right now excavating some cave systems out there, but he's also um, done some documentary work and he's been to the Solomon Islands and we're trying to get to the Solomon Islands next year to um, do a production on um, some legends out wow. there. Um, so yeah, that's a goal. That's something I'm working on. So yeah, it's just, we love weird stuff. Very cool, man. I'm going to check it out because I don't know yeah. anything about that shit at all. So I'm interested okay. in hearing some stories. Fair enough. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. People, sometimes I ca- catch people off guard a little bit with that because my other interests are very different. But uh, yeah, man, it's like, it's definitely not, some people say it's like, oh, like you cover like conspiracy theories and stuff. It's like, nah, it's like, it's not like that. And we don't try to debunk anything either. I, I like to leave it open to interpretation and stuff like that. But it's everything from Sasquatch to... Uh, some strange underwater UFO encounters to other weird paranormal events, stuff like that. Historical mysteries. Yeah. Do you have an Ogo do you, Pogo? Do you ever episode? do stuff that happened in BC? Yeah. We do, actually. That was our second ever episode. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. What's the verdict? Well, what did you that? say, Carl? Oh, so the verdict on Ogo Pogo? Uh, yeah. I. I Ooh, that's a can of worms. I, I, I believe there's um, likely some sort of prehistoric species of eel um, that inhabit the deep waters of Okanagan Lake. Um, they might breed asexually or breed in really small populations, and they surface at weird times. And so when people see them, they look super weird. And we would never see them otherwise because the lake is extremely deep, and there's hundreds of feet of sediment beneath hundreds of feet of water. So it'd be tough to find. Carl, what was your question? I was going to, my question was kind of, if you, do you do like local stories, like local BC kind of things, or do you just focus on all over? Yeah, <clears throat> we do all over, but we've done some pretty, like what I would say, high profile stuff from BC. So like Ogopogo being one, we have a massive yep. series on Sasquatch just because it's nice. obviously like pretty prominent in Pacific BC. Northwest, yeah. Uh, the Thetis Lake monster was a fun one from uh, Thetis Lake on Vancouver Island. That's a weird one. It's almost like a merman, like creature of the Black Lagoon type thing. <laughs> uh, some haunting episodes from from Victoria as well. There's lots of creepy stuff that's happened out on the island, actually. Um, Man, that's cool. Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. But there's definitely like stuff elsewhere that are, is even more insane. Um, yeah, my fa- my favorite episode we've ever done, probably still to this day, was. Um, one where we covered a, a story about um, <clears throat> Russian divers training in the 1980s on Lake Baikal in Siberia, and they encountered some entities uh, at certain depths of the water that certainly shouldn't have been there. And it's like on record in their now declassified documents. And there's divers that, yeah, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a weird story for sure. Carl, we'll listen to that tomorrow morning. Oh yeah, that's right, right up my alley. <laughs> I know it awesome. is. You love that show. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, yeah, so it's our show. And then, uh, yeah, check out like straightupstrange.com as well as our, actually our podcast network that we kind of run as well, which is another little side hobby that I keep tacking them on. 
So we've got like 16 or so shows in there that we kind of help operate, and they're all similar themes, paranormal, true crime, stuff like that. So, Andrew, is there anything you don't do? Sleep. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know, man. I need to dial stuff back probably, don't I? (laughs) Good thing I have beer. I feel it. I feel like I'm kind of like you. I just, just so many hobbies, man. I just, I like exploring and just doing new things and just trying new things. Oh yeah. I feel like we're all kindred spirits here. Keeps life interesting. Totally. It's, it's funny. Cause I get, I'm not so similar in that way that I just get caught up in one thing and I'm obsessed with one thing and it goes through waves often. Like yeah, you- obviously through high school, it was basketball and it was like 24 seven my life revolved around playing basketball and trying to get better at this stupid sport. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, it was like a couple of years of trying to find myself and I didn't know what that next thing was going to be. And now it's like 100% real estate and I'm just obsessed and I can't stop well, thinking or doing it. Like I can't stop. And it's crazy. Versus... Carl, I know Carl has like nine different things on the go. He's obsessed with hiking and like doing, trying to find new view spots in BC. And like this summer he was up where like North Island, Carl, in some made up place that I've never heard of that apparently he went to. What was that place called? Cape Scott, baby. Cape Scott. Uh, Just uh, west of Port Hardy, all the way to the top. All the way up there. Yeah. It's funny. Like I just... um, I just get obsessed with one thing and I can't stop thinking about that one thing and I just try to get better at that one thing. But my business partner, James... I can feel that. Is, ...is more like you, who like wants to do 27 different things at the exact same time and just improve <laughs> all these 27 things and have this big umbrella of things and I'm like so focused on one little small thing. There's so much value in being focused on one little small thing. You know, I I feel like... But, but yeah, I mean, whatever. There's, there's poetry and chaos too, I guess, to some extent. I actually just keep telling myself that because everything, I do get a little worked up, a little overwhelmed sometimes, but I just keep doing it anyway. I just keep doing all the stuff anyway. Ah, we're launching a freaking jewelry company too through the podcast. Who not? Yeah, we're doing all this stuff. Stupid. Too many. Might, might as well. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, good luck with the uh, NBA stuff. It's exciting. Thank you very much. Congrats on the new tattoo. Yeah, I'll. Uh, thank you. I, I, you know, it, it's funny. It's not a very, it's not a very serendipitous season to do it. And seeing as how they'll probably like be scratching at the play in tournament, but it's gonna be tough this year. But I'm uh, diehard, right? So there you go. We'll uh, have to play golf next time yeah. I'm up there. I'll, I'll show you a message for sure. Definitely play golf for sure. And uh, yeah, I would love to do this again. You guys, we could chat more beer. We could chat. I could I could uh, try to spook you with a weird story or whatever. 100% interested in that. <laughs> Down for that, yeah. Cool. All right, maybe you could do a Halloween episode of this, of this show. <laughs> Carl, sign it up. Yes, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Love it. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it.